Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. Over the next few moments, I'd like to share with you uh, some thoughts about this time of year. Tonight, also, we're going to share about Hanukkah in a more specific way. And I guess a big word for most of us in life is the word focus. I mean, this is beyond talking about photography where focus is critical. But in our our daily life, uh, our focus is very important. For example, if you're an athlete, you will probably want to focus on your chosen sport or sports and focus on that. If you're a politician, uh, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to focus on your cons- constituency. Uh, you should be focusing on your constituency. If, you're, if you are an artist or you're artists, uh, you want to focus on the medium that you would use for your artwork there. If you're a chef, you want to focus on uh, your your culinary task, the task that's at hand. If you're a chef and you're focused on something else, you're liable to really mess up what you're doing. If you're a general, you want to focus on those that are under your command and the goal yet to be accomplished, that which you want to accomplish as the general with those uh, that you're uh, working with. If you're a doctor, you want to focus on uh, your skill, I mean, I'm thankful if I go to a physician. I'm thankful to know that they have a skill level, aren't you? If you go to a physician, you want to make sure they have a certain skill level. You don't want them to say, well, I've never done this before. You're my first patient. You don't want that. I mean, there's always a starting point, of course, but you want them to focus on their skill level as well as your, your care uh, as a patient under them. If you're a pilot, you want the pilot to be focused on the plane, on the instrument panel, on arriving to the place that the pilot's supposed to arrive to. You don't want them somewhere else. You want them focused. If you're a parent, With children, you want to focus on your children and make sure that you're being a good parent and you're being a good example and you're being a good provider by the Lord's help and grace. You want to focus on that. You want to make sure you're leading your family in the correct direction. I think you can see that focus is very important in just about every area that you can think of. The concept, the idea of focus is critical. You know, if you're misfocused, you know, um, you might hear this, maybe uh, rhyming or resonating with something a NASA technician might say. If you're misfocused, Houston, we have a problem. You don't want that. You want to stay focused. And frankly, the scripture, the Bible, offers a sound, wise counsel 
for everyday life. How many agree with that statement? The scripture offers us great counsel, wise counsel, that we can apply to our everyday life and our circumstances. There have been many times in my life, and maybe this would resonate in your life as well, where I've, I've faced something in life and I found within the scripture as I asked the Lord for guidance and direction, and that's an important aspect, by the way, that he's spoken to me through his word and given me at that time just what I needed to help me through it, help me get through that circumstance. And if we don't read and heed the scripture, then we're left to other devices in our life, which may not lead us in the correct way in life. They may cause us to be out of focus with God's plan and purpose for our life. And the best thing that we can do is to do the will of God. That's the safest place in life, doing the will of God. Now, with all that said, Scripture tells us many things. And one of the things it says is in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. It says, first of all, in the Hebrew language, it says, emet kne. Emet is the Hebrew word for truth. And the second word, kne, means purchase or buy. It's curious how in the, in the scripture, in this particular passage, it puts the word truth before the word buy. In English, we might say buy truth, and that's how most translations would translate these two words. Buy truth, purchase truth, buy truth, obtain truth, something like that. But the Hebrew actually puts the word truth first because if we're out of focus when it comes to truth, if we're walking in untruth, we're living in falsehood, uh, we're off. We're on the wrong path. Something's not right. But it says, emet kene. And the verse continues and says, ve'altim kor in Hebrew. It says, and, and don't sell it. Truth, purchase it. Buy truth, but don't sell it. And don't sell it. Once you get it, don't sell it. And an implication of this particular verse, Proverbs 23, verse 23, is basically this, to embrace God's truth and don't turn from it. Emet keneve altim kor. Buy truth, don't sell it off. Don't turn from it. Don't try to replace it. Don't think that something is more valuable than that very truth. God's truth. Because God's truth for us is extremely valuable. Extreme, there's nothing greater, nothing more valuable to us in this, in this age of falsity and falsehood and lies, etc., and deception. Truth is a great standard for us. God's truth. Now, among Yeshua's, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus, among Yeshua's most quoted verses, and it's even been quoted a few times here this morning before I got up here, is one that you may know by heart that we hear often, at least here at Rosh Pina, and I believe that resonates out within the believing community. It's from Yochanan, John chapter 14, verse 6. You probably know it by heart. And that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Yeshua said. Now, the context of that is quite interesting because the, the question or the person interacting with Yeshua before he said, John 14, 6, as it's recorded, I am the way, the truth, and the life, was none other than Thomas, whom we call maybe uh, 
you know, it's, it's probably not correct, but we call him Doubting Thomas. How many have heard the term Doubting Thomas? And we almost apply it to people. Well, you're a real Doubting Thomas, you know, that type of an idea. But it was actually Thomas that provoked or brought forward in Yeshua John 14, 6. Because in John 14, 5, it says this, Lord, and this is Thomas speaking, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And then catch this next part, what Thomas says, because it's in response to Thomas that Yeshua gave us, John 14, 6. And catch this part. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going And how can we know the way? That's Thomas speaking. How can we know the way? Thomas' focus turned as Yeshua in this great discourse, Yochanan, John 14 through 17, such a great discourse. But Thomas' focus became knowing the way. I believe he was correctly focused at that time. He says, Lord, We do not know where you're going. And then he says, how can we know the way? And it's in response to Thomas's question that we have John 14, 6. Yeshua said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is truly a sad observation. A sad observation perhaps about many in our modern society that many have lost their way. Have you noticed that? Many have lost their way. They've set aside to some degree God's word. They've set aside to some degree God's ways. And I know in the various uh, outreaches that I've been involved with over the decades that I've encountered many, 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 emphasize many, many believers who had turned aside from the truth of God. They had left it aside. They placed it aside. They turned away from it. And they were heading another direction in their life. I've encountered people during outreach times that could quote Scripture backwards and forwards. I mean, they would know John 14, 6 and could say it to you. But the truths of John 14, 6 and the supremacy of Yeshua is in their rare view mirror in life. And they've turned aside, they've bought other things with their life, they bought into other things, a better way to say it. They've lost their way, they set aside God's words, they set aside God's ways, and I've encountered many people, they have replaced even the Lord in their life and placed something else or someone else as Lord in their life. Would you agree with me that that's a misfocus in life? That's, that, that's, a, that's a prescription for something not going right in their life. And eventually it can have eternal impact unless there's repentance. And I believe up to the very last breath, it's possible for an inter, in, a person to, to repent, to lashuv, to, to turn, to, to experience teshuvahs, as called in Hebrew, repentance, and get back on track. And maybe that's you today. Maybe today is the day that you need to get back on track with the Lord and allow him to be first and supreme in your life because he is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Now, what's happening in our society, and I believe it's rampant, I've had the privilege or the opportunity to live in a number of different places in the United States and beyond, 
And this is not just an East Coast thing where people are turning away or a West Coast thing or a, a heartland thing. This is a common practice within American culture to put aside the things of God and the Word of God and the ways of God and replace, become misfocused in life. But it shouldn't surprise us because the ancient Hebrew prophets had something to say about this. They encounter this during their generation. Listen to what Amos said. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, and not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord. And then this next statement really catches me. Maybe it catches you. But shall not find it. And Daniel also said this as he concludes his words in, in the uh, Sefer Daniel, in the book of Daniel chapter 12. He also foretold something similar in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. He said, those who are wise, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And then there's verse 4. But you, Daniel, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Many shall run to and fro. And then it says knowledge will increase. Is it the right focus, the right type of knowledge? Because the knowledge of the Lord is what we really want. The complete Jewish Bible version says this to, to describe that last segment where I just read, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. The complete Jewish Bible version says it this way, many will rush here and there as knowledge increases. It's no secret that nowadays knowledge is at the tip of your cursor, <laughs> your mouse. And I know back when I was younger, when you said the word mouse, there was only one image that came to you. I don't want to freak anybody out here by bringing up that image. But now when we say mouse, we think of computer, etc. At the, the tip of your finger, one little click. And you can do research, quote unquote. There's a major problem, at least in my opinion, with that, is that half the time we don't know anything about the authors of what we're reading. They could be the most godly people we've ever met or ever could hope to meet. They could be the most debauched people that we would ever imagine or worse. We just don't know. I don't know what's happened in your life, but in my life, as each day passes by, I'm so thankful for the truth of God's word. I'm so thankful. It's like a rock to us. It's wise counsel for us. It's the real help we need at times. And I, I would implore you, when you're facing things in your life, and even when you're not facing things in life, in your daily devotions, that the word of God and the desire to walk by the spirit of God would be a focus for you. 
frankly, because if it's not a focus for us, something else can easily step in and become our focus. Daniel said, many shall run to and fro. Complete Jewish Bible said, many will rush here and there. Maybe today are you running to and fro from the Lord and from his word? Have you replaced his word with something else in your life? Have you, had you re, have you replaced his ways with some other ways in your life? Have you replaced your devotion to him with something else that you're devoted to? That's a question we have to answer for ourselves. No one can answer that for us. And as Christopher mentioned at the conclusion of our worship, do you truly know Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, as your Lord? That's a big word, isn't it? Lord. As your Lord and your Savior, do you really know him? Because those who have lost their way, they have separated themselves from the very one who can save them, Yeshua the Savior. The very one which Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 tells us is our peace. Who's Shalomenu? He is our peace. Yeshua is our peace. The writers of a really fine website called gotquestions.com, and I did look to see who they were <laughs> and what their background was. They explain what it means when we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, what it means when it says Yeshua is our peace. I like the sound of that. How many of you like that sound? He's our peace. He's the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And this website, gotquestions.com, they explain it. This is their explanation. Let me read it to you. I'm going to messianicize it, but I'm going to read it to you. Yeshua himself is our peace, means that by grace through faith in Messiah Yeshua, God made it possible for all people to live at peace with one another. It also means that humans can be reconciled to God and experience peace with him. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, has done for us. The person and work of Yeshua the Messiah is God's ultimate provision of peace for humanity. Before salvation, sin separated us from God. But when Yeshua died, he paid, listen to this please, he paid the full penalty for our sins. Not a half payment, but a full penalty paid for us, for you today. For our sins, he died. He was sinless himself. He was without guilt. He was sinless. So when he laid down his life, it was for you and for me and for anyone who would place their trust in him, who would, who would cling to him, who would focus their life on him, who would believe in him. It continues again, before salvation, sin separated us from God. But when Yeshua died, he paid the full penalty for our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, was on Yeshua. It continues, only through a relationship with the risen Messiah can peace 
with God be achieved and maintained. As Yeshua stated of himself, again, John chapter 14, verse 6, you know it by heart. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Yet sadly, many today choose to focus on the ways of the world and focus on the things of the world rather than following Yeshua and obeying his word and focusing on that. Some religiously look to sports figures. Some religiously look to actors. Some religiously look to celebrities and academics and musicians and politicians and an ever-changing cavalcade of newsmakers. They're continually looking to these people as examples for their own life, but are they really examples for our life? There may be a few, but the vast majority, I venture to guess, are not. All we see is what's projected before us on the golden screen or the silver screen or the television or wherever. And according to Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, Yeshua once said of certain parushim, Pharisees, Certain Pharisees who, who, were, who were misleading others along life's way. This is what he said to them, uh, concerning them. He said, they are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch or a pit. But the incomparable words of Yeshua, let me say them again. May they be our focus as we conclude this year, 2022, and look forward as God wills to 2023. May John 14, 6 reverberate in our own hearts and minds, in our own lives, so that we can hear what the Spirit is saying. Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Some have distorted the very reality of who Yeshua is. They say, and I've heard this, I wrote down some things that I've heard. Maybe you've heard similar or more. I've heard folks say that Jesus was just a prophet. Just a prophet. Actually, he is the great prophet. They said that Jesus, Yeshua, is just a teacher. Well, he is the teacher, not just a teacher. They said, no, he was just a mortal man. There's even some that say we're not even sure he ever existed. There's some that are saying we're not sure he ever spoke the words that we find in the Bible. The very erosion of their faith is happening right before their eyes, and they're welcoming that erosion of faith through their doubt. They're the real doubting Thomases. The other that we call Doubting Thomas is the one that says, I don't know the way. Show me the way. And there are some that have said, and it's particularly rampant in Jewish thinking, that Yeshua was a misguided soul of the first century, a misguided Jewish soul of the first century. But friends, his empty tomb makes clear and declares throughout all these years that Yeshua is far more than we can even imagine. 
He's far above all others and any other name mentioned under heaven. He's far above them. Any person that's walked on the face of the earth, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, is far above them. The empty tomb and the resurrection from the dead prove that point. And many of us, through faith in him, and I hope this is your testimony, through trusting in him, you have experienced newness of life. You've been redeemed from the pit. You're going down the way now, his way. And you're choosing to walk in his way according to his word by his spirit. Not the ways of this world, not the ways of celebrities, but the ways of the true one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords who's far above them all. It's Acts chapter 4 verse 12 that profoundly declares, nor is there salvation in any other. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That very name is Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. There's no other one. What does that mean? A person that rejects him, there's no other place to go. As Kepha Peter said, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Kepha would find out very much. And here a little bit later, according to John 14, 6, as Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Kepha was there listening. Peter was there listening. The writer of the book of Hebrews begins in a most unusual beginning of an epistle in the Brit HaDashan, the New Covenant. It's different than the other ones, most of the other ones. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, listen to how it begins. It doesn't start out with a salutation. Shalom, friends, how are you? No, it doesn't start out like that. Here's how it starts. First word is theos, God. Hebrews 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when Yeshua had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high which is another way to say what it says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. The writer of Hebrews, first century writer of Hebrews, he knew who Yeshua is. <laughs> he could barely state it all in those first phrases of Hebrews chapter 1. Sadly, many today have a limited understanding of who Yeshua is. There's even a work, maybe some of you may have it in your library. There's even a work that's titled, quote, The Historical Jesus for Dummies, end quote, written by Catherine Murphy. The Historical Jesus for Dummies. <laughs> now, I do have a thing that says computers for dummies. I mean, I confess to that one. But this book is written to help people try to figure out who Yeshua is. Might be a great book, but I have another suggestion. And I hope you agree with this. 
Read what the Bible says about who Yeshua is. Read what the Gospels say about who Yeshua is. Read what the Hebrew prophets said concerning Yeshua. They foretold his life, his birth, his circumstances, everything about him. His mother would be an Alma, a virgin, a young virgin. Friends, I know who Yeshua is. I know who he really is. <laughs> you know him too if you're a believer. You know who he really is? He is the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. That's who he really is. Except no substitutes. That's who Yeshua is. This world may be pulling you many directions, trying to get you misfocused on many things. Don't allow it. Emet kene, buy truth. The Altim core, don't sell it. Buy truth as the truth is in Yeshua. Our focus, friends, should be to know him and to trust him more and more. Our focus should be to obey him and serve him more and more. Our focus should be to honor him more and more and to state the whole premise in one challenging phrase. Our premise should be to love him more and more. It was Dr. Albert Schweitzer. How many of you have heard of Dr. Schweitzer? Most of us, especially older people, have heard of him. <laughs> but he wrote an influential at the time and actually a groundbreaking book. And it's called, in English, it's called The Quest for the Historical Jesus. He had different views about Yeshua, but what I appreciated about this was that he was trying to figure out who Yeshua is. He wanted to know on a personal level and on a, a scholarly level, who is Yeshua? And again, uh, the best resource is the Word of God. But he originally published his book, The Quest for the Historical Jesus, in German in 1906. And it was translated later to English in 1910. But I want to read you his conclusion. But he wrote the English version of his conclusion, the translation. At the very end of his book, this is what he said, quote, he, meaning Yeshua, he came to those men who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word, follow thou me, and sets us to the task which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands, and to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the toils the conflicts, the sufferings which they shall pass through in his fellowship. And as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their own experience who he is. That may be what's happening in your life today and mine. We go through some pretty difficult times sometimes. And if we will remain focused on Yeshua, we'll learn more and more about who he really is. We come to know him better as we see him work in our life in the most difficult of circumstances. And we don't forget him when we're having joyous circumstances because he's Lord both of our trials and our triumphs. He's the Lord. And I think Schweitzer, Dr. Schweitzer, hit it that when you go through everyday toils, as he called them, 
and conflicts and sufferings at the end you come to experience and to learn if you really are focused and you really are listening to the spirit you learn who Yeshua is and that makes it better for you in life and questions about Yeshua who he is have persisted for centuries even back to the first century let me remind you a passage I read a couple weeks ago from Matthew chapter 16 beginning with verse 13. It said, When Yeshua came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, nowadays it's called the Banyas. When he came to that region, Yeshua asked his Talmudim, his disciples, saying, notice the question. There are many things Yeshua could ask them, but he asked them this question. He said, Yeshua said to them, to his, his Talmudim, his disciples, he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Even back then, there's this remiss that hint that they're trying to figure out who Yeshua is. And they responded in verse 14 of Matatiao, Matthew chapter 16. So they said, some say Yohanan Matbil, John the Baptist. Some Eliyahu, some Elijah. And others, Yirmiyahu, or one of the Nevi'im, one of the prophets. And then Yeshua said to them, Umiyatem choshvim she'ani. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And guess who speaks up? <laughs> Anybody want to take a guess? Who speaks up first? Peter. <laughs> Simon Peter. <laughs> Shimon means, comes from the word for hearing. Simon Peter, the rock. Simon Peter answered and said, Ata Mashiach ven Elohim chayim. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. How many think he aced it? I do. He got it. <laughs> In fact, right afterwards, Yeshua says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. You have, in a sense, you've had revelation that comes straight from Hashemayim, from the heavens. So I want to conclude with one final question here today. Just one. Here's the question. Please listen. If Yeshua, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if Yeshua came at this very moment, would he find you living for him now? Would he find you so focused, living for him now, and serving him with your heart, focused on him in your heart, focused on him who is the way, the truth, and the life, would he find you now doing exactly that? That's a tough question because we do live in a society that would pull us in many directions, would seek to get us to focus on many things in our life. And I'm encouraging us today to focus upon Messiah and his words and to walk by his spirit to do what's pleasing him. Because we are at this very moment, this very moment, we're living out our answer to the question I just asked. We're living it out right now. Me, you, all of us. That question, if Yeshua came right now, would he find us living for him, serving him, honoring him? We're living that out right now. When we leave here today, we'll be living that out. We'll be living that out before the eyes of Almighty God and we'll be living that out before the eyes of our fellow human beings. 
Are we really living for him? And in this age of political and social instability and economic uncertainties and false brethren and dominant secular humanistic teachings, friends, we must stand firm in the knowledge of who Yeshua is. Who is he? He is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And Paul proclaimed to Timothy... He proclaimed many sound principles to Timothy. If you haven't read lately 1st and 2nd Timothy, please do. Because it's, it's a type of teaching that's directed to an individual. And maybe that'll resonate for you. Maybe that'll be helpful for you as it is for me. But we read first of all in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Be diligent. Some translations say study. Be diligent to present yourself, study to show thyself. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent about it. And then this next term is interesting, a worker. <laughs> a worker actually working, involved, activated. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then Paul follows that up. Rav Shaul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, he says this, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. It has the seal on it. Here it is. The Lord knows those who are his. And then there's this. Let everyone who names the name of Yeshua depart from iniquity let's pray friends this Hanukkah time as we prepare for this evening's service I hope you'll be able to return just take a moment would he find you about his father's business if he came if Yeshua came now how would he find you are you focused correctly are you misfocused you have your affections in wrong places rather than in heavenly places Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise you this day because you truly are good. And you have provided us your holy son, your ben hayachid, your unique only begotten son, Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. You provided us with a way that leads not to death. You provided us through faith in your holy son, life everlasting. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for working in our lives. I pray for each individual here today that you would, O oh Lord, bless each individual, that we would be drawn closer and closer to you, that we would redeem the time because the days truly are evil, that we would be focused correctly within our hearts and our lives so that your name and your name alone would be honored. Lo lanu Adonai lo lanu. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name. Let there be glory. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for the children's uh, celebration that's concluding down in the gym. We ask you to bless the children, bless the parents. And we thank you, Lord, for so great a salvation. Yeshua, the way, the truth, and the life. It's in his name and in his merit and make these requests. Amen. 
You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.